Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode is uh, another one of our live zoom hangouts <clears throat> exclusively for the the patrons those that uh support the podcast uh over on the, the 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 patreon um hello to everybody that's here today it's a nice little gang again which is lovely um it's uh i, I recorded an episode today uh with, with, with a, a, a wonderful singer songwriter and i realized that i hadn't recorded a, an off the beaten track since we last done our, our last hangout and so it was so weird, considering I've done like 470 of these now, I was really nervous. And th- th- this guy sort of popped up to Dan. We, we, he, thankfully, like he said he hadn't done any press for about a month either. So he was just as awkward and uncomfortable as me. And I had to literally get a bit of paper out with the questions on, which is ridiculous because, you know, you've heard the podcast and it's, you know, it's pretty much based around the same questions and the same questions about those questions. But, uh, I was on the back foot today, so um, this is uh, this is nice. I feel like this can be a bit more relaxing because it's uh, it's amongst friends and and it's uh, and I get to chat about some tr- truly truly great records and some absolute howlers that um, found their way into my record collection in the uh, the early years. Um, also, to other patrons that are listening to this that aren't here this evening, I just want to remind you that. Should you want to join us here? Yeah. Uh, it's totally non-judgmental when I say there's going to be some Howler records. Um, you know, it's all done very, you know, it's all a very friendly kind of chat. Um, but just as well, if you're shy, then then don't feel like you have to have the, the camera on or the microphone on. You can just literally come along and watch um, or you can get as involved as you'd like. So this is episode four, I believe, of, uh, is it four? Yeah, four yeah. intros, emotional songs. Then we just detoured to Christmas, and we're back to the first record uh, that you remember buying. Um, so we joined uh, uh, one of our patrons, Debbie's, uh, here today. And uh, Deb, you've mentioned that you're still in your work clothes and you stink, and so you don't know how long you're going to last. So uh, Thanks, it mate. seems. It seems only fitting that I start with you today. Um, can you remember the first record that you bought? I can. Um, I should add a little, a little thing to this as well, because I'm sure most people are going to say, and I think you might even have been about to say it then. I want to know the first record that you got and the first record that you bought. Okay, right. So the first record I got was the soundtrack to The Rescuers. So I knew... <laughs> So I knew that film, word for word, sound for sound, before I'd even seen it. I didn't see it until, my God, I don't even know. Like, I think I was an adult when I saw that film. And, yeah, I knew it, every teeny tiny little sound of that film before. So, yeah, and it was really creepy on the record because there was nothing to, you know, there was no context to all these strange noises. Um, First record I actually got given a record player which was an absolute piece of shit um by a friend so I went out brushed out and bought myself a record the first one and I bought it because I thought it was going to have a song on it and it was the soul to soul album which I can't I think it is is it just self-titled the brown cover uh is it called 
club oh, is it called something? volume one or uh, am i right oh. in saying it's called yeah that yeah. could yeah I that could be it, it right okay but i bought that wanting back to um oh my god my brain's gone back to What's life. The song? so back yes, to life thank you but they only had the acapella on there or like an acoustic version and i was absolutely gutted <laughs> What of back to life? Which now, I like, yeah, yeah. Like, I really love it now, but then all I wanted to hear was the one that I'd heard on the radio, and I was just like, oh, okay. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a, a that's a bit great of a disappointment. Record. That's a great record, yeah. and yeah, you know, I know, I know, like, like me, you grew up in Essex, and there wasn't, you know, in nineteen eighty seven, eighty, or no, whatever, eighty eight, eighty nine. There was an XR3I in Essex that did not have that soul to soul beat coming out of every single one. Um, I beg to differ. My okay. my dad was an absolute bloody boy racer, like ridiculous. He had a white XR3I and he would <laughs> never have played soul to soul. <laughs> in fact, actually, probably by that point, no, he had his Cosworth. He had a white Cosworth. At He's that a point. proper boy racer then. <laughs> he was, yeah. He bloody loved it. So he's still got the Cosworth because he could retire now. Oh yeah, <laughs> sadly not. No, and so he's passed away. I'm not going to bring the mood down, but um, no, yeah, he's not here anymore. But I reckon if someone had tried to give him a Cosworth now, he probably would have lapped it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, that love version, that car. That version of Back to Life. Mm. I remember, like when that came out. <laughs> Obviously, you know, it, it's an incredible single. That, that Keep On Moving. And what was the first single mm. that wasn't, that Rose Windross sang on, that wasn't on the album? That was the first um, Soul to Soul oh, God, track. I don't know. Oh, God, what was that called? But um, the, the Back to Life version that you're talking about, is that the one that goes, ready? Are you ready? What's going on? And it's just that yes. acapella for yes. ages. That is yes. a DJ's dream because yes. literally whatever <laughs> you play now, you put that over the top of it, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Karen Wheeler's voice was off the charts. Oh, right? Yeah, um, amazing. Did, did anyone ever venture into London to the Soul to Soul shop? No. I would have if I'd known about it. They had a shop in uh, was it East London. I'm not sure. There's, there's a fantastic documentary. If you ever get to see it, it might be on YouTube. And it's the, the story of Soul to Soul. And it's essentially Jazzy B um, and how he started off with like a bric-a-brac uh, store in, Camden, in uh, Camden Market. And how he started kind of getting to know everybody. And then he'd start selling bits of sound system and building the Soul to Soul sound system. And then how he started putting on these raves and he'd uh, one of the they'd always put this blag on um because one of the, the djs that was whenever the police turned up at these underground like kind of uh like I'll say raves or whatever you want to call them events they were doing back then they had a mate who was studying to be a lawyer uh, and they'd send him out the front one of their djs to to literally just bamboozle the police with <laughs> With, with like legal jargon and that dj then got the name judge jules and uh and that was no the kind way. Of, uh, yeah 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 <laughs> and wow. uh and so it's a really it's an amazing documentary and how soul to soul essentially become the biggest band in the world for about a year like that that record mm. was so huge and mm. yeah absolutely uh love it great shout great shout can you remember where you bought it um, it would have been our price Shout in out. Colchester. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, just to throw in there, just to make myself look really ultra uncool, the same day I bought that, I bought, um, I think it was now Dance 88 or something, which don't, was... Don't, don't come on awful. here. Don't come on here dissing <laughs> our albums because you're going to get a lot about one in a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. But, you know, it was necessary. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. Right. Um, new to the Patreon um, live shows. Paul, what you got for us? Oh, right. Well, um, um, I started off with tapes. So cassettes were sort of my first thing. So we didn't get a record playing until I was about 13, 14. Uh, first one. And um, for Christmas, me and my brother got some albums. So we got them, you know, presents. So I got, I think, a Toya record or something. Anthem, I think it was, yeah. And um, 
uh, Human League Dare, which was oh, like wonderful. still absolutely brilliant, you know. Um, and my brother got because uh, he was like a sort of mod sort of ska and, and that sort of thing. So he got Dance Craze, which was like that live oh, album. Yeah, wonderful. yeah. And, and I remember just hearing for the first time, you know, the Concrete Jungle live. It's like the first track or whatever. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible, you know. Coming through, you're like our first stereo was brilliant, and we I also got all mod cons, you know, the Jams album, yeah. which again is just absolute classics. We're pretty lucky, really. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I think without even hearing anyone else's, Paul, I think you've probably ticked the box for the coolest first records you could ever I have. No, the Toy Specials yeah. and Dare. We're not so worried about Toya. Oh, uh, even uh, even after my now dance, what are you talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean. It, obviously, you know, big shout out to to, to Terry All because like, it, oh god, it, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's lovely now that you know. I guess it was only really a resurgence maybe six seven years ago where people, I, I think, when like you know you'd see the specials doing some shows and, and Amy Winehouse pop up on them and and I think it was only then that people were starting to realise just how important that band were. Yeah, and, yeah. and over the last years, obviously, putting new music out as well and. You know, and 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 the passing of, of, of Terry was, I think, just reminded people yet again that like what an important band they were to have a oh, band. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. In the UK at that time, you know, uh, 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 fronted by a white guy with two black guys either side of him yeah, was yeah. It, it wasn't happening, and you know, and and the stuff that they were singing about and 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 protesting about, phenomenal, and yeah, and. The Dance Craze album, I've got that somewhere as well. I mean, that is absolutely chocolate. It's great, yeah, it's great. Like, yeah. The best of what was going on in that scene at that time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a really good introduction as well to the whole thing because, like, you know, some mates had the, the singles or whatever, but just you know, hearing bands like the Body Snatchers and yeah. you know other bands that maybe weren't the big ones, yeah, uh, was fantastic. And I don't know where the bad manners were. They might be on it, yeah. Yeah, they were also big as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's incredible. A really good album. Very good. I think they re-released it, actually. I got a little email the other day. There. Oh, really? Re-released it. Yeah, yeah, with lots of other bonus tracks and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's strange because I think, you know, some of the other acts, you know, like the Selector, the Beat, and, and, and you said the Body Snatchers there, and they don't ever seem to kind of get remembered with that same sort of, I, I guess it's more because I suppose the work of Madness and the specials continued for for way beyond the scar yeah. scene. You know, they yeah. they they changed into you know a, a multitude of different styles, and obviously Terry all Funboy Free and Colourfield and stuff like you know just evolved and evolved. Um, but I don't know if you if you've listened, but um, I'd recommend uh, I had rode the car on just before Christmas from the Body Snatchers. And, oh uh, yeah, I've got it. On, I've got it sort of coming next on my and, uh, uh, list. Oh, yeah. She was an absolute delight, an absolute delight. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend that one. Uh, and so where where was home? Where was where was the uh, Belfast? We, we, we got in Belfast, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I think bands like The Specials and The Beat came to Belfast, which was quite a big deal then, because it's yeah. sort of like during the Troubles, early 80s sort of thing, and a lot of bands didn't come. So yeah. if a band came to Belfast, it was a pretty special occasion, you know? It was yeah. a big deal that they did. And the Jam came as well, like, they... They toured with us, but a lot of bands didn't make it, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Uh, in fact, I went to see The Cure in Belfast last month um, on their tour, and they haven't played Belfast since 1979. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, they, and they, they appeared like 40 years later, yeah. He apologised, Robert. <laughs> for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and he also said that he didn't think that anybody in the audience that night would have been there back in the first day. <laughs> Love that. How were they? Oh, really, really good, really good. There was a bit of a lull in the middle, I suppose, goth-like, where it was a, played a few album tracks and maybe it wasn't a festival kind of feeling to it. A few album tracks, a few new tracks as well, which was really reassuring because like, it's really good when an older band like that are still doing new stuff. Yeah. But I think the sequencing of stuff maybe could have been a bit better, yeah. But they did like seven or eight song encore. With the hits, yeah. I want to see them in Leeds. Yeah, I want to see them in Leeds last month as well. So, How was it? Yeah, it was amazing. But like you yeah. say, I know what you mean about that little where there was a there's a little bit there where you go yeah up to the bar now and absolutely <laughs> right. you might not even you might not know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe and that's then, why they do it. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's like a yeah. quick beer break. 
Yeah, yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. They've probably got to deal with a venue. It's like, like halfway through. We ain't, we ain't sold a pint <laughs> for like an hour. Can you just play a couple of album fillers? And uh, so everyone can go and uh, get some money yeah, over yeah. the bar. Wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, I mean, Belfast and record shopping in the 80s, did, where was you going? Um, all sorts of places. There was, there was a, a sort of chain called Caroline, which was like a sort of independently sort of one. Um there's also Terry Hooley's shop. Um, well, this was what, I, this is what I, was, I was angling. Yeah. To find oh, yeah. Out yeah. Uh, yeah. Out in I, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went there a few times. Yeah. To the original award. Yeah. So How that was, was that? pretty cool. I mean, because obviously, as, as, as someone that's you know read the books, seen the film, and you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. steeped in 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 so much like a wonderful stuff. Like, is it, was, it... it was a bit intimidating in a way because the, um, it was sort of above a, a health food shop. So, which had a really, really sort of funny smell of sort of foods that we weren't used to. It wasn't sort of like egg and chips or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it had this kind of kind of hippie vibe to it because it had a really sort of weird smell and stuff. Um, but in there, you know, he was always behind the counter and you know, um, playing records or whatever else. Um, and it's the sort of place that I remember kind of like hiding records because I couldn't afford it that week, but I sort of wanted to go in next week and see if I could yeah. find it again. You know, I kind of love that. Yeah, yeah, cool. But, uh, you kind of want record shops like that to be a little oh, intimidating, though, don't you? Yeah, it, it, it's very the high fidelity so, yeah. scene, isn't it? You expect that, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And also, because I was only like 13, 14, maybe, so I was still a little kid in a lot of ways, and there's all these kind of like you know. Uh, young adults there, whatever, who probably knew what they were talking about yeah. and knew what they were looking for. But I was kind of a, but but it was really good because if there's ever anything you wanted, he'd order it in for you. So you know, you you could sort of you know there might be some obscure act you were into, or whatever, and he would he'd get it. So oh, right. yeah, he was great that way. Yeah, and also before we move on, we we, we kind of skip past uh, all my cons. Like let, let's not overlook what an incredible oh. record that is. And yeah, yeah. you know, we, you can't not adore the jam you know no um, no, no and i haven't really i'd only heard the hits really by the jam so like to hear something like to be someone you know oh. that was incredible and you know it was yeah. that was a, a bit of a moment with the the tennis rackets you know pretending you're playing guitar sort of thing love it. <laughs> love it yeah 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 i just want to finish off with one thing actually because um they would i got records given to me but i had a record token and so the first one i actually bought was this one here um which oh. is don't you want me but the the A side and the B side are both on there, so it kind of felt a bit weird. What's the to, B side on the single? Um, seconds. Ah, yeah, yeah. So um, it felt a bit weird, kind of buying this a week later, and I knew I already had the two tracks already. But still, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So a question about "Don't You Want Me," right? Yeah. Whenever yeah. Uh, we sit and discuss, me and my friends, the greatest duets ever. Is that a duet? I wouldn't say so, no. 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 Oh, maybe because I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. It throws the beautiful South into question then as well. And it it's does, like, actually. Yeah, yeah. Are they duets? I would say yes. But... Yeah? Yeah. If you're so... going to do it karaoke, you need a couple of you to duet it on it, right? Yeah. You do, yeah. Yeah, so it probably is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. That's the <laughs> definition. Never that way before. No. <laughs> oh, and, and do you know what? Like, I still reckon I listen to Dare definitely every couple of months and me too yeah, yeah. And, and and it just doesn't sound dated it still sounds like them simps are thicker than you've, you've ever heard it's like yeah. it's oh it's a glorious record it really is there's that really great remix lp they did the following year the um love and dancing yeah. as well yeah. which is just incredible too isn't yeah it? they're the yeah. only band that I, i've they're on my list to see this year, and uh, me and me and me, me best mate, we try and tick off so many of our favourite bands from the eighties, and uh, we're yet to see Phil and the Girls, and uh, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. I've never seen them, and I really, really want it. They're on yeah. the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's... the only gig I've ever been thrown out of. Oh, the Human League. Yeah, and the BIC in Bournemouth, and it wasn't even my fault. It was the oh, no I got a bit larry when someone asked him to stop dancing. I went to the loo, came back, and he was being sort of strong-armed out of the venue. So I only heard Mirror Man. Oh, I mean, oh, no. that's a good one to hear. <laughs> Have you heard, there's there's a version of that, because if you listen to that song, that kind of upstruck, that ding, 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 it's got that Motan 
uh, kind of four four sound to it. And there was a, a band that was signed to Acid Jazz, like maybe I don't know six seven years ago. Called, I think they're called Men of North Country, and Eddie Pillar signed them, and uh, and they they done a cover of the Northern Soul track "I'm Coming Home," but they also done a Northern Soul version of Mirror Man, uh, and I very much recommend it. It's Men of North Country or Men. They're like, I think they're, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. That'd be really offensive. But I'm, I'm sure they're <laughs> Polish. Um, but uh, it's phenomenal. Men of North Country, Mirror Man. Give it, give it a listen. It's, it's, a, it's a cracker. Right. Uh, where are we going to go? Adrian, what you got for us? Um, first record I got, still got, Father Abraham and Smurfland. <laughs> Two pound fifty from Macro in Washington. Love it. I mean, don't know what happened to him. I imagine. I I guarantee you three have had a look at him. (laughs) Well, like I say, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, still got it. And me, my daughter's going to be brought up on that as well. Um, First, I remember buying. I think. Well, bought a, I bought a tape and I bought a single, and the tape was like a Virgin Madonna album. Oh, wonderful! Which I remember. That was my first set. First, <laughs> it's good. It's yeah. great. I mean, I listened to some of the tracks today, and I was just like, "These, these are great." Yeah. I mean, some of the some singles, even some of the album tracks, are still still good. I mean, I've listened to Madonna for years, but you know, still enjoyed it. And I bought um, single of Michael Jackson's "Bad" as well. Oh, which was. Yeah, so his first record I bought was was that. So, um, and I remember from that, I remember the image of him on the front and all his leather, and wanting to get dressed up like that for the school disco. <laughs> get my mum to say, "Oh, this is how I need to look." And then looking back on photos years later and realizing more like Alvin Stardust than. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the time, I thought I was just like, "Oh, cool, I'm, you know, this is me. I'm bad," you know. <laughs> love it, love it. But, yeah. I mean. We've seen this week Madonna's announced a Greatest Hits tour. I saw that, yeah. Uh, 40, 40, it's yeah. a 40th anniversary, 40th anniversary tour, isn't it? Yeah. Good, good luck being able to afford a ticket. Oh, yeah. how much are tickets meant to be? I don't know, but I know, like, on the Blink tour, it, it won't sold be cheap, out really. in seconds, and the tickets were going for, like, three grand. Really? What? Yeah. I, I, I've said before on here that it was one of the worst gigs I ever went to when I saw uh, Madonna about 10 years ago at Hyde Park because she didn't play the hits and part of me wants to see the MDNA yeah. tour yeah. yeah I saw that it wasn't great so was bad it? and like yeah. but the thought that you could go to the O2 and you get to see Madonna play like a virgin borderline open your heart get into the groove oh my god preach, like that would blow my tiny mind I would uh give anything to see that i was watching tv the other day uh with my eldest and uh watching an old top of the pops and it was it was a year it was a, a christmas one and, and i think like a virgin was just creeping up to the top spot and i was trying to explain the music video that's really really bizarre like it's quite odd she's obviously just looking super hot and just like writhing around on the floor and stuff <laughs> but there's like there's a tiger in it there's like or is it a guy dressed as a tiger? It's a lion, I think. I think it's a, a lion, lion. Yeah, it's, it's a proper lion, isn't it? It's quite weird. Um, and I was sort of trying to explain to my daughter that, like, the the fact that it was called Like a Virgin, uh, and it was this new kind of super confident American pop star that had come over that just looked amazing. I was like, this was like something unbelievable. When you first saw this, you're like, oh my god, Madonna's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, looks all right, I suppose. But like, and it, and it's weird. It's like, I, 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 I've got a lot of time for, for Madonna. I think she's uh, an absolute, mm. absolute genius, and and has, has made some incredible records. Uh, but yeah, and and you know, whatever your thoughts are on allegations about Michael Jackson, you know, if for the purpose of this conversation, if we separate the the allegations from the, the art, like as far as, you know, Jackson and Madonna go, no one was making pop music anywhere near that in that decade. Didn't touch like, yeah. like, just ridiculously, you know, just perfect pop music. I mean, we throw Prince in there as well. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, 
absolutely. I've got I've got a signed picture. I won't turn my computer around in case it messes with me camera, but I've got a signed picture of Michael Jackson, like literally there. And it was my absolute pride and joy. I'm not obsessive over Michael Jackson. I, I love Thriller, Off the Warm and Bad, and that's about did it. You, um, did you get that when he stayed over? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a theme park, for Christ's sake. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that's no longer up in the ass. That's been banished to the shed, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, right. Uh, who else? Where do you want to go next? Where do we go? What you got, Kirst? Um, okay, so the first record that I was bought was this weird, like, 1970s compilation. I basically must have heard Matchstock Men and Matchstock Cats and Dogs really young and loved it. And then just played this record constantly. And it also had this song called like Driver 64 or something. And it's about a taxi driver who doesn't want to pick someone up. And anyway, but yeah, basically that was the first one that I was ever bought. Um, The first one that I bought was they've been a guest of yours and they were a bit of a contentious guest for you. Um, But it was um, Right Said Fred's Deeply Dippy. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I still love that record. I think it's great. Like, I just love how it sort of builds that crescendo and you've got all like the big sort of brass bands bit and stuff. And I still remember the video of them having like that big street party and things. And it was all really bright coloured and stuff. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was great. Hey. But yeah, a contentious guest, I guess, now. Oh. But, um, we don't have to go into the politics of them already. No, no. Deeply Zippy is a great, great pop record. If you watch like the video or, or or a top of the pop performance of I'm Too Sexy, <laughs> the fact that that was their first single and, and you watch it, it's fucking bananas. Like they're not it's holding like, that. <laughs> this happened? Like, because it it's a catchy pop song and it's weird and it it makes no sense. And, uh, and then obviously Fred and, and, and Richard, like, I've got a very unique kind of look. And at the time you had the, the third member, the, the, the guitarist that, that they had the sort of mullet. Um, very, very, it was just, I remember watching it before I interviewed him. I'll go and watch the performances. And I was just thinking, I remember when it came out, just thinking, oh, this is fun. Like, and then I was just watching it thinking, this is insane. What is this? <laughs> like, and if you had to sort of try and explain right said Fred to someone that had never seen right said Fred, where would you start with that? But like, in my child's mind, like it didn't, it didn't come across as sexual at the time. Yeah. But looking back, it is really actually quite sexual. Yeah, quite yeah, yeah. Stuff, you know? But there was there was some sort of like level that they were able to play with. Yeah. Like your grandma could watch it and probably find it a bit funny. Absolutely. And maybe not think like, oh, that's two gay homosexual men. Yeah. But quite... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Clearly, when you look back now, like they were just screaming at people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, I I was really excited to, to, to get them on. 
because they were a very, very popular band. I mean, the, the single that followed Deeply Deeply, Don't Talk, Just Kiss, with, was it Jocelyn? No, it wasn't Jocelyn Brown. I'm trying to think who it was that, that sung on that with them. That's a great pop song. And uh, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to have, like said, fed on the podcast. And then they literally, about two days after I'd agreed to book them for about a month's time, they just went on a rant, a massive, massive anti-vax rant, anti-woke. And it was like, oh, no. And uh, <laughs> and, and I remember, like, uh, I, I told Pip, who obviously owns the, 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 the Scribby suit, we've got the network that the pod's on. And, you know, Pip's a, you know, one of my best mates. So it was like, it wasn't like a, an awkward conversation. But I'd phoned him up about three weeks ago. Going, I got right, said, fed on me podcast. He was like, mental. Uh, and I just got this message saying, well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. And like, and it was like, and what I, I think you handled it really well, though, because you didn't you didn't give them much opportunity to go off on one. Like as soon as I think you he- heard some rumblings, you were like, OK, but what about this song and stuff? Yeah. So you did handle it well. I think. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It was like uh, they before we pressed record, they literally were, were, were saying, like, you know, we've been getting a lot of attention because of this, this, this. And they then, I felt like they got most of it out of their system then. Mm. And then I was like, okay, cool. Right, well, look, should we start? And there was a couple of times they're like, well, you wouldn't get away with that now, would you? What with the woke police, blah, blah, blah. And then that was, I was just like, okay, so, right, tell me the first record. So, <laughs> but um, I've I, I got to be honest, they were they were very, very uh, friendly and nice. And, and as I mentioned at the beginning, I try not to be judgy on the podcast. I don't want it to be that high fidelity experience for people that you know because when you're asking you people, would love uh, it to be high fidelity experience. oh there's nothing i'd like more <laughs> there's nothing i'd like more don't think for a moment the minute this finishes i literally just go for it all again i think what a load of shit like <laughs> <laughs> but going but no. back to like separating the artist to the music now i'm not obviously saying that you know right said fred are you know musical geniuses like michael jackson whatever yeah but there is still that distinction of like going okay well they're saying some weird things but can I still listen to Deeply Dippy? I know, I know. And that was the thing. It was like, I, I did say, I think, uh, at the beginning that, you know, this is a podcast about music and, and I'm not taking a political stance on anything I'm doing here. I just want to chat about people's love affairs with, with the records that have been important to them and uh, manage to sort of steer it away from that. But, yeah, undeniably, Deeply Dippy is, is a cracking record. Uh, where should we go? Where should we go? Uh, newbie, what you got for us, mate? Uh, to continue the theme of separating the artist from the art, I thought I thought my first record that I was given was now five. I was chatting to my mum last night, and she reminded me that when I was a little kid, I was given you know one of those little suitcase record players, yeah. little half size suitcase with Rolf Harris, Waltz and Matilda, and the B side of Six White Boomers. <laughs> brilliant oh, do you know what it's it's so weird i was talking about this on my my uh 80s podcast the other day <laughs> that I, I met him twice and I, I can't tell you how excited i was when i met rolf harris like i should also point out it, it wasn't in wormwood scrubs it was like 20 years ago <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, and, and I was so excited because he was playing Glastonbury. He was Rolf. He was like the, the, the greatest thing ever. He just drew really cool cartoons and then put cartoons on the telly. It was like, it was way better than Newsrand. And <laughs> I've got, I've got two stew, a rolf a from Rolf. And it was like, oh, this is, it don't get any better. And, it's like uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, don't. <laughs> oh, that's and and do you know what? What what's 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 the shame as well? I mean, the, the whole thing's horrific, obviously. Um, but I would say that one of my earliest songs that ripped me in half was Two Little Boys. Like it's a heart-wrenching song. It's a beautiful song. Oh my god, the fact that he'd done what he'd done and still got a song called Two Little Boys, you just can't get past that now. Do you know what I mean? But 
Oh, what a record. And that, that scene in Train Spotting when Spud's singing it at Tommy's funeral. Oh, my God. So sad. Um, but, yeah. All right. I've, I had a Rolf Harris album, and, uh, and it was like one that must have come out in the sort of early 70s. And I remember there's, there's a track on there, and I remember just thinking it was hilarious, and now it's just tainted again. But there was a track called I've Lost My Mum, and it was this, this kind of Rolf singing about this, this kid that was in a supermarket and had lost his mum, and the chorus was literally just this kid wailing like absolutely oh wailing and now you just think oh my god what's the writing on the wall but uh, yeah let's not get uh bogged down in uh in Ralph's business but uh but yeah so what was the first one that you remember buying yourself si well there's not yeah this probably explains my level podcast it wasn't actually music it was one of those audio books that came with a little pamphlet book and the cassette with it and I had two. There was one of Treasure Island and one of Star Wars. So, so basically, you read the book and listened to the cassette. And then when R2-D2 made his noise, beep, beep, you turned, you the, turned page. the page. I yeah. had that. I had that. <laughs> when it you hear R2-D2 make the sound, <laughs> turn the page. <laughs> I had that. <laughs> yeah. And it was either that or Wham Make It Big. But I don't know which one was first. Right. So let's, let's discuss Wham. Um are Wham any good? Yes. They're all right. Yeah. The time when you were like growing up in the 80s, you were like, oh, you, you, you didn't like them, did you? Because, well, I didn't, because there was all the girls. Oh, I was like, oh, I yeah. But then, <laughs> retrospectively, looking back at the, the music they've written, you think, actually, yeah. <laughs> could you get a 20, 20 track greatest hits out of Wham's songs? I don't think you could. There's no. probably about four or five good ones. Yeah. What you got? I mean, I'm not a fan of Wham rap. But, like, you've got Club Tropicana, Freedom's a tune. Uh, now you're struggling. No, wake me up before you go, go. Uh, everything She Wants. There's a track that keeps coming up on my playlist, which is Everything She Wants. Yeah. They were on the same top of the pops as Madonna, and uh, Ridgely's Get Up was very good, and, and Georgie's Hair. Were you watching that smashing nicely recap one yes that's the one yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Clive Dunn and Grandad that was an iffy video oh wasn't it? my god yeah let's let's oh let's uh, let's not go there um <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll stand by I, I think Edge of Heaven might be my favorite Wham song I think Edge of Heaven's got a really good chorus uh but I know it weren't Wham but it kind of was in the middle of Wham wasn't it but Keller Whispers a, a a banger isn't it it's uh it's, it's a cracking little love song there and I, I do, uh, I do stand by uh, "Listen Without Prejudice." I think there's some crackers on there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, "Waiting for the Day" is an absolute belter. And uh, and yeah, and when you talk about rock and roll legends, uh, and if you want to look at that stereotype of you know your, you know your Keith Moons and your your Hendrixes and and, and Jimmy Pages, George Michael's fucking up there. He's absolutely up there. Pissed out of his head, throwing himself out of cars on the road, you know, sticking his knob in glory holes with coppers the other side, then making a music video about it, just throwing it back at him, you know, snappy snappy snaps. Exactly. You know, if if you subscribe to that kind of raucous rock and roller, he was all over that shit and and did have a, a, a beautiful voice. And, and, you know, I guess if you, you led to believe what you're, you hear and read he sounds like he was a really really lovely fella he seemed like he was uh, a real a real good egg and uh and yeah like so many people of the last few years just died way too soon man like that spoiled christmas that did did we talk about this on the christmas episode i'm sure we must have like touched on that like no one needs to hear that on christmas day bloody hell um, yeah, I, was, I was never into buying singles you see so i, I do actually know the first single i bought as well but it wasn't until I got my car at 17. So it was Ugly Kid Joe, Hate Everything About You. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if you went, Steve, but uh, they played in South End about three years ago. They played at Chinneries <laughs> oh, in yeah. South End. Yeah, no, I was, I was stuck at work. I couldn't get out. Oh, uh... I would have gone, though, definitely. <laughs> that, album, that album is bollocks. That, that song aside, that album is really good. 
it was uh that was in was it Bill and Ted or Wayne's Wayne's World, wasn't it? Yeah, Wayne's. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bill and Ted, I think. Yeah. It it blew up massive, didn't it, that? And uh like, and then they done the cover of uh Cats in the Crowd, didn't they? Cats in the crowd. Yeah. Uh Love it, love it. Well, while 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 we're talking, Steve, uh, what you got? First, first. And I'm not I'm having. Not I'm not, not fucking having Cannibal Corpse. Was the first single you bought when you were six? I'm not <laughs> having that. No, first tape I got bought for me was um, the first Five Star album. I think. Oh, beautiful! Luxury of life. Yep, I think so. And I still remember um, live and kicking. And the geezer rushed, bang up, bang up, and said, "Five star, why are you such a load of fucking shit?" <laughs> but the first, I bought two singles at the same time with my own money from a little chemist's in London Centre called Godfrey's. Yeah, I got this. Ah, oh, wonderful, seven inch, just bugging. Uh, yep, but the terrible one was. Donald Wears Your Trousers by Andy Stewart. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you can't be dissing that when you got Kirsten on here. <laughs> and for the life of me, I don't know what I've done with it. I'm gutted. I was really wanted to like show it off proudly, but I've either lost it or thrown it away in like a teenage peak. I'm like, oh, I'm not listening to this shit. Why did that get re-released? Because that was huge when that come back out again. I don't yeah, know what, massive, yeah. why that, what triggered that. Just being advert. Okay, mm. No idea. Have you still got your five-star record? I was on tape, mate. No, on I tape, sorry. All my, all my cassettes have sadly, you know, gone wherever they go to. Oh, Absolutely. Blew my mind when I got Doris from Five Star on my podcast. That's amazing, <laughs> honestly. Uh, so it turns out I went round my mate's house, and uh, and my mate's wife was there with, with a few of her friends, and I just thought that's Doris from Five Star, and uh, this is this is in Grays, like, and I was just thinking, surely she lives in I don't know LA or space, like she's in Five Star, <laughs> like. And uh, no, no, she's 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 local, and obviously they were Romford band anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, she hasn't flown far. And uh, oh my god, I mean, when you hear back to uh, and, and and it's quite a strange time for when, when you listen to Fast because they come out kind of before that sort of '88 Teddy Riley sort of Bobby Brown, Belbiv DeVoe scene of the the, the, the swing beat kind of. Uh, 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 the new Jack Swing sound, and it was kind of after the sort of the the big boom in 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 the sort of gold mine and the soul scene of, of the early eighties, and they were sort of in the middle, and they had kind of I presume state of the art production because when you listen to songs like Can't Wait Another Minute and Systematic, they're like really well polished pop songs. Like were they uh, were they a PWS band? I don't think so. No. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't know who produced it. Maybe they were. Uh, I'm not too sure. Because I guess back then, that would have been around the time that Waterman and that were doing Roadblock and stuff like that, which was far more interesting. And well, did, did they do some Art and Noise stuff as well? I might be, might be wrong there. But, you know, they were making far more interesting records than what they went on to make, you know, taking nothing away from them. They're great pop songs. It's a good thing as well. Yeah, I saw yeah. It a couple of years ago. I think you've done one, haven't you, Steve? The Let's Rock. The yeah, thing. yeah. They did it. one in Southampton. I mean, they do it every year, but yeah. they were on the one that I went to. Yeah, oh, love and it. It's just her singing, and the rest of them just dancing. Love it. <laughs> they look knackered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, right. Well, I've, I've done everyone. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have a night. Right, I'll thumb my one in there. So this is the first record uh, that I owned. And that's the first ever uh, NAR compilation. Amazing. Um, and so that was the... I think that bit there, the picture of the pig on the back, went on to be a, either an alternative cover or a cover for a maybe the second one. I'm not too sure. But my 80s podcast, uh, if you haven't heard, we go back 40 years to the month and uh, and we look at the charts. And this year, this episode we've just put out, goes back to this Christmas. Uh, oh, my God. Like, for somebody that was obsessed with pop music, when you've got pictures of all your pop stars, chart placements, and all the information next to it, <laughs> I literally just could not stop looking at it. I was, a, I was absolutely in love with Tracy Ullman at that point anyway, uh, and her cover, uh, which is on uh, side two, I believe, um, her cover of They Don't Know, the Kirsty McColl record, I do prefer over Kirsty's as much as I love Kirsty McCall. But uh oh I just got to have a picture of, of Tracy Ullman just to literally just look at. And oh, I mean I'm well, I'm just um, you're I'm, in alone time. <laughs> <laughs> look at <laughs> uh, well I'm 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 gonna rattle off right side one, right? Check this out for uh, an opening to an album, right? First track, Can't Hurry Love by Collins, right? Is there something I should know, Duran Duran? Red, red wine. Uh, Only for love by Le Mole. Temptation, Heaven 17. Casey in the Sunshine, Give It Up. Double Dutch by Malcolm McLaren and then Total Eclipse of the Art. That's a good start to a record. <laughs> was that 83 then, was that? That would have been January. Yeah, I've got this for Christmas 82. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And then, oh, yeah. I mean, side two, I'm, I'm going to rattle it off, right? Coach Club Karma Chameleon, Men Without At Safety Dance, Too Shy, Men at Work Down Under, Hey You the Rocksteady Crew, Paul Young, um, Wherever I Lay My At, and then Baby Jane by Rod. It just gets better. Candy Girl, new edition. Uh, I'll tell you what, Lamole's features heavily on this. He's on there solo with Only For Love. He's on here on track two with Too Shy, and he's on track three with uh, Big Apple. But I think been kicked out of Kajagoogoo at that point. I think oh, maybe man. Nick Begg sung, sung that one. Uh, it was a return of Tina Turner, uh, Let's Stay Together, um, produced by Martin Ware. Uh, of, and would he have been in? Human League, yeah. Would he have been in the Human Freeder, League at yeah, point? Yeah. Like, because no, the Human left League are next yeah. with Keep Feeling Fascination, which is oh, such wow, a good tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Howard Jones' new song is on my bucket list. I've been trying to get Howard Jones on his podcast for so long. Uh, yeah. Oh, some absolute bangers on here. Cure, Love Cats, Waterfront, Simple Minds, Sun and the Rain by Madness. Oh, that is probably the, my favourite record I've ever owned. Um, and I'm rubbing it in. I had, I had it to last week, to literally last week. I've had it for, because I had my brother's vinyl collection for 20 years and they had that and then... My nephew got a record player for Christmas and he says, Dad, can I have all your, your vinyls? I've had to give him all this vinyl back. Oh, <laughs> all, no. all, the, all the good albums, all my spits that I thought I had forever. Never mind. But, but now well, I had now one and now six for some reason. I don't know what happened with the, the oh, other ones. But yeah. I think my dad has still got my copy of Now Five on the oh. gatefold, uh, the double one. And so way, way, way back when I first started the podcast, and I can't remember his name and it's going to, it's really rude of me. But uh, a friend of mine knew this, had, had a guy working for me, said, you speak to this guy's dad because uh, his story is amazing. He was um, a young lad in, in, uh, in Manchester uh, in the, the late 70s and worked in the Virgin Megastore. And uh, he, uh, he kind of went a bit rogue. And, and at the time, it was Howard DeVoto had come in and they'd run out of copies of Spiral Scratch, the, bus, the Buscocks, uh, EP and he said we've got no money and they were being sold exclusively I believe in Manchester and so he went and took some money out of the safe and gave it to Devoto to get more copies on the deal that 
they sold them exclusively there. Uh, and then Richard Branson got word of it and actually thought it was a really fucking great maverick strike and was like, and he ended up this, this guy, Oh my God, is it Dave? Oh, it's so rude of me not to remember. It was a long time ago, become Branson's partner at Virgin records and literally, and, but what he, what he done, he, he if you've missed this episode, I'd, I'd definitely go and look for it. You'd, maybe it'd be somebody you'd think, who's that? I'm not that interested, but his story was phenomenal. He come up with now. That's his thing. He, he, he invented the now compilation um, because at the time, any compilation that was coming out was generally exclusive to a label. So it'd be like, you know, RCA would do a, a, a greatest hits, but now is the first one where, all of the labels come together for this compilation. And so he set that up, which obviously has gone on to probably the biggest album franchise ever. I imagine I can't think of any, any compilations that have sold more than that. And he also set up the, uh, what's the music prize that is the Mercury. He set up the Mercury music prize as well. His, his story's really interesting. And, uh, yeah, I remember the episode you're talking about, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, it was about it was about. I reckon it was in the first year I recorded that one, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was a fascinating dude, and like yeah, just dropped it in there that he come up with a concept of now that's what I call music, and I was like, now I'm just sitting there just thinking he can't be struggling with a mortgage, he must be doing all right. <laughs> I'm sure his energy bills ain't stressing him at the moment. Like, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, look, I'll tell you what we do quickly. Um, where are we at? We've got another 10 minutes yet, so let's let's rattle them off quickly. Uh, Adrian, what was your first concert? Um, first concert was Levelers in uh Mayfair, Newcastle. It's the first gig I ever went to. When was that? Uh, 92. Oh, so 92, prime Levelers. So it was, there. yeah, it might be when it maybe 93 might be when they released the third album, just I think. Well, it was an eventful gig. I went with a friend and a, or two friends. Uh, um, and we we couldn't, for some reason, the trains were off and my dad's boss gave us a lift through. And so he dropped us off in front of this queue of, you know, all the, the Levelist Crusties and it's like brand new BMW. That, and they were all like, look at us, like, who are these <laughs> coming out of this? They're just like, you know, I don't know, it just felt like, like really old because we were like quite young still, 16 or whatever, I think at the time. And then... Um, and then somebody died at the gig as well. Somebody fell off the balcony at the top and oh got on drugs oh and died. God. So it was, it was a very eventful. Yeah, wow. I do remember it quite, quite And it, I also bought this, the, the tie-dye T-shirt. I bought this pink tie-dye, you know, with the, you know, the sun face on that. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so Jeremy designs all of them, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, Jeremy does more. Yeah. And by the time I got out, I put over my white levelless T-shirt that I had. By the time I got out, it was down to my knees. My jeans were pink, and so was my white T-shirt. <laughs> 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 they, they get a bit of a tough rap, the levelers. I think, like in the sort of mid nineties, they become a you know. I think a lot of people got a bit snooty and and, and sort of wrote them off as you know your, your your dog on a bit of string kind of band. And and I, I mean, for me, I don't know about you know. Obviously, you as a fan, Adrian, I thought as far as songs go, like when you hear songs like One Way. Uh, 15 years like um, I thought it was some great stuff I like, I Liberty Song like Boatman there's just um, some absolute crackers um, haven't they got the biggest ever audience at Glastonbury as well and, right, and this big... is what I was going to say right have you watched them do One Way on YouTube at Glastonbury yeah because yeah. it just starts with just the, the, the guy on the didgeridoo and and then uh, what's the lead singer's name uh, Mark Chadwick. Yeah, out he comes. And, uh, and you know, he doesn't look like there's been a stylist involved in, in his outfit. And uh, he's just got like, this kind of ripped sort of like jumper over like this this thing and a sort of beret on and his barnet sort of poking out, you know, looking like he's been brushed with a firework. And, and then you just, and they go into like one way. And I was saying to my mate, I was watching it, the toothbrush, and, and I was just saying, like, are we ever going to see something like that again? Because it, it looked, it was so alternative. It was so exciting. And everything about the track One Way, I think, is amazing. Like, the sentiments of it, and, and it's everything that that 
lifestyle represented that the the, the levelers were, were singing about and you know and i know that their politics are, are bang on as well in, in 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 lots of things and uh yeah, I, I just looked at it and I just thought, well, Glaston is never going to be like that. And I don't mean that in the way that, you know, people are post up the, the 1992 Reading lineup every year and go, well, it's not like that anymore. But I, it was just, it, I just thought, like, even like, t- you know, two years later when you've got Oasis headlining, you know, Glastonbury or Blur or whatever or Pulp, to see a band like the Levelers headline a festival and have that kind of sand and, and, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's kind of it kind of goes. You know, you mentioned a few times in your podcast about those lost kind of couple of years between yeah, yeah, yeah. ninety and ninety two, where and it's that yeah. kind of thing. It's like you know, nobody mentions it, it never gets. Yeah, it hardly ever gets mentioned, even documentaries about Glastonbury or whatever. Absolutely, so it's, absolutely, it's, it's a shame. But have you um, they they done that EP a little while ago, didn't they? And Billy Bragg done Hope Street. And, yeah, the uh, one where they got like different people because I have Frank Turner and people. On Frank Turner's version of Julie's yeah, fucking amazing. incredible, really good. Julie's a powerful record. Uh, yeah, cracking. Uh, Sai Nubi, first concert. Radio One Roadshow count. <laughs> Who wants on that one? Because I went to one in South End. 1991. Oh, the same one. Billy Bragg, Sexuality and a Shit Blur. Ah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. I yeah. had a 17 and PM Dawn and Kingmaker. <laughs> <laughs> but the first proper concert was Metallica because I worked with it. Oh, I wow. Worked, I worked on the bar at Metallica with Megadeth at Milton Keynes Bowl in 93. Oh, that, that would have like, been... That's local to where I'm from. So that would have been... Black was out then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. Good so time they, to see got, Metallica. They finished the gig and they hadn't done Sandman or Nothing Else Matters. So, you know, they were doing an encore. Oh yeah, love it. Made love loads it. of money that night because once the bar shut at eleven, no one could get a drink anywhere, and we were just given cases of Miller. God. So we were just flogging them till these pissed up metalers. <laughs> Cursed. What was yours? Well, he's just been mentioned twice, but I was really lucky that my first concert was Billy Bragg. Oh, um, the end. I think I was sixteen, and he played down the Scots. He played uh, somewhere down Scotswood Road, and I can't remember what it was called now. Um. But yeah, like just absolutely amazing. And then I didn't see him then until again until November 2021 or something. And like I, I don't know why I left it that long, but um, but yeah, like I was blown away when I first saw him. I, my stepdad at the time he took me, and uh, yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And like a proper tiny little venue as well, so it was all sweaty and smoky and beer everywhere and stuff. And and of course, you know. Newcastle's a very, you know, staunch, lefty, you know, um, socialist sort of town and stuff yeah. in there. So that was, you know, bang up everyone's street, really. Oh, so yeah, great. Wonderful. The last time I see him was in Cambridge, and that was a questionable audience. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, they weren't quite as, I mean, Billy Bragg. They weren't quite as union. Yeah. Well, obviously, like, you know, I am. But uh, I, I think a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's a very affluent place, isn't it? So uh, I don't think they would have been quite as, uh, as, as, as working guys. But Billy Bragg fans are Billy Bragg fans. They, they're always going to be, you know, on board. You can't be on board with Billy Bragg and not lean towards his politics because it's such a big part of, 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 of who he is. Um, although I do think he's underrated as, as a writer of love songs. I think he's wrote some oh, of them. Workers Playtime. Oh, don't mate. That's, that's I think for me favourite album just for the love songs on it. Amazing. Yeah. Like, that's, remind, that's, she's got a new spell, Valentine's yeah, Day is over all. and like, rotting on remand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Levi Stubbs for me, I know that's not really a love song, but I just think that's heartbreaking. Just the whole story of that woman and, Clearly, she's been abused and stuff, and 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 her soul, you know, her sort of escapism is to put a Levi Stubbs record on. I, yeah, I just love that song. I think it's great. Oh, I, it really is. I, I, we we can't even talk about Tank Park Salute because uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll all start crying. If you talk. It's too much, it's too much. That record. Um, stay, uh, stay. What was yours? Uh, mine was no doubt at Brixton Academy, but. Oh, I went to see the Vandals who were supporting them. And Symposium played on that tour as well. Oh. He broke his leg the night before. Oh, wow. In a wheelchair. Oh, so, yeah, you... it was pretty decent. Oh, superb. Superb. Uh, I mean, like, on, honestly, um, 
Ross from Symposium uh, has become uh, a proper pal. We have literally just nerd about music constantly. <laughs> like he is obsessed with music, uh, and his knowledge is absolutely incredible and he's generally at some point been a random or done something with them uh and so yeah he's uh and and it was you at the wire club gig steve where he got in the ceiling oh, and, he, and, the, the, oh, yeah, and yeah. the ceiling collapsed like, yeah. that was uh that was one of the most insane things i've ever witnessed um, my, my my favorite bit of useless knowledge about symposium was the reason why they left their label after the first album was because they their album got bought by a um, a company owned by um, Robert Maxwell or Rupert Maxwell, and they had it in their contract that they weren't to be you know if, if ever you know these big corporate shields got involved that they could go. So that's why they left. Oh, I love that. I did not know that. Oh, how good is that? But that's what that's why that's what I read or heard. Yeah. So. It sounds like the sort of thing that they would do. Hundred percent. And then obviously Hell is for Heroes happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I don't know why I always mention this band when uh, Hell is for Heroes is mentioned, but um, on Friday I'm recording with Colin from um, Hundred Reasons. Uh, I can love that band so much. Have you heard the new stuff? Yes, brilliant. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really. Saw them, saw them support Papa Roach. Oh, really? The singer from Papa Roach got a shoe in the head and got really pissed about it. <sighs> that that guitarist from Papa Roach. I'll be honest, they, it won't, won't one of my favourite episodes of the podcast. <laughs> they all came on. All they all see all dressed in black. Yeah, and hundred reasons came on first, and they were all dressed in white. Love it, so good. So Love good. it. <laughs> what what a band they are. Um, uh, hundred reasons. Uh, so, what are your memories of that? <laughs> like, uh, well, well, I mean, what year was this? It was on the Tragic Kingdom tour, so it would have been. I think I was eighteen, so it would have been ninety two or four. That's a great time to see see No Doubt, right? I presume every girl there was dressed as Gwen Stefani. Oh, of course, yeah. It was peak, like, dress over jeans. Yeah. You know, little vest top things. She was super cool, right? You know, as far as, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a fan of, uh, of, of her solo stuff. I think she's done some great, some great pop records. But, I still uh, blame her for me now having like practically no eyebrows. People don't realise how much, like what they went through to, until Tragic Kingdom, because they had like three albums before Tragic mm. Kingdom come out. Mm. And all the grief they had with obviously the, the split between her and the guitarist and her brother being in the band and then her brother left and it all kicked off because of that. And all the like bands they've influenced and took on tour with them, just like a much bigger you know, influence on that sort of style of music than they were given ever given credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then obviously she then became the Queen of Pop and rinsed everyone for five <laughs> or six years. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Deb, first gig. I'm not sure I want to say it. <laughs> Go on. Um okay, so I think I was about 14 and we went to the Chelmsford Spectacular. I mean, the name says it all. Yeah. That's a Kirsten's face. Was it really spectacular? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I saw Eternal. That's good. I really like Eternal. Yeah. The support was Michelle Gale. Oh, I, I like Michelle Gale. Really? Song, um, okay. Sweetness. Was it Sweetness? That's it. Yep. Well, she was, she was from Grange Hill. Like, she, yeah, like, she was in EastEnders as well. And EastEnders, she? yeah. She was uh, gorgeous yeah. as well, Michelle Gale, like super hot. Yeah. Really, yeah. really. But as were Eternal. Oh. As were Eternal, yeah. Was it was it Kelly Bryan? 
she was in Eternal, wasn't she? She was the lead, I think. Yeah, and was Louise yeah. still in Eternal at this point? Or was, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was quite. They were quite. Um, I feel like that. You know, they were quite a big thing at that point. Then mm. you know, all of their hits were really prominent and everything. And me and my best mate, yeah, we went along. It was the first time we'd gone anywhere without our parents, so it was very exciting. <laughs> so, was yeah. it Eternal with the twins? Yeah. No, that's the other one, isn't it? No, um, Eternal had sisters in it. With the twins, wasn't it? Oh. Eternal. What's that? All Saints had sisters, but I think, didn't Eternal have sisters oh, it might as have been well? All Saints. It might have been All it Saints. Was, it's All Saints yeah. that had the twin sisters, yeah. No, um, I don't remember Eternal having sisters, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Oh, I'm, I don't remember. I don't really yeah, it was good fun. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, my, mine was um, 1987. I, was, I think I was 15. Uh, 14 or 15. And I remember like I had to get a coach from Grace to Brixton. And, uh, and my, my folks were really worried that, uh, that I was going to uh, Brixton. Uh, and me and uh, two of my oldest friends uh went to see Alexander O'Neill, who uh, I was obsessed with, absolutely obsessed with. Um, that that kind of period of 80s soul was everything I was listening to at that point at school. And, uh, and I loved Alexander O'Neill. And, uh, and we reconnected, uh, and me and that same group went to a pub in Billericay about two years ago and watched him again, uh, just literally sitting on a stool to a backing track. Uh, it was well, cause back then he, he had like, he was big and he would like, he'd bring a bed out. He'd bring like, a, you know, a, a lady from the, from the crowd out and serenade her. Oh we here God. tonight. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but I remember then just thinking, Oh, this is, and this would have been, I don't know if this was before the, the hearsay album, which had the, the big, you know, when he become a superstar, we criticize and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, it would have been Alexander O'Neill, and I loved it, and I've still got the program. Uh, I did have a car sticker as well. I didn't have a car then, but I bought a car sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck it on a mirror. I had like these mirror wardrobes, uh, and I just had this Alexander O'Neill stuck uh, things stuck on there backwards. Mirror so, wardrobes uh, and Alexander O'Neill. You were a boy, weren't you? <laughs> 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 oh dear, oh dear. All right. Well, look. Um, I guess that kind of uh, rounds it off nicely. We're at the hour and 10 minute mark. And I, I really want to thank you all for firstly being patrons, secondly, continuing to listen and support the podcast. And most importantly, coming on here and, and, and being uh, frightfully honest with, uh, with some questionable <laughs> uh, choices, which obviously when I finish this, I will be uh, judging you all and making notes uh, in my little black book. But, uh, but but thanks ever so much, people. Right, I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere.